Wow. Would y'all agree with that? I love that song, man. I, 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 a lot of times I sit backstage and get ready for worship and pray, and this morning I came and sat with you guys, and I can't do that two services. I lose my voice uh, singing that. That's good stuff. Well, take your Bible this morning. Uh, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, which is the third book in your New Testament, and then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, and I want to start out by asking this question. How many of you guys have finished all your Christmas shopping? Just raise your hand. What is wrong with you people? You're supposed to wait to the last minute. I saw Cameron raise her hand over there. I know you've been done since what? Halloween? Something like that? Okay. <laughs> how many of you guys, this next question then, how many of you guys have bought my Christmas present? Now that's a problem, you bunch of sinners. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> last question is this. How many of you guys, and this is a real one, how many of you guys get stressed out over the holidays? Raise your hand. Everybody should have your hand up. Holidays are stressful. Would you agree? Now, whether you're worried about burning the turkey, buying the appropriate gift, or traveling somewhere, holidays can be very, very stressful, and what should be peace on earth becomes chaotic, and many times we lose the Christmas spirit ah, around Black Friday, agreed? And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're on our second part of a four-part series called The Gift. We're going to talk about the gift that Christ gives to help take the stress and make it rest for us. And we're going to specifically apply that in some tangible ways at the end. And then, But between that, we're going to investigate Scripture and see how God does that for us and how we honor Him through that. Now, I thought it would be prudent this morning to begin by talking about some of the things that stress us out the most during the holidays and see if that relates to you. Consumer Reports Research Department a couple of years ago did a survey to see which things stress us out the most. I want to see if you can relate to this. Are y'all with me? So I'm going to need a little bit of audience participation. You can yell out yes or something like that, all right? Does that sound good? Here's the first one. 68% of the people say crowds and long lines stress them out. Is there anybody who stresses you out like that? A couple of you. I hate it. I hate crowds anyway. When I go to the Mall of Georgia, my blood pressure goes up even in the middle of summer. I hate it. So I can imagine. The second one is this. Gaining weight. How many of you guys get stressed out with that? And all God's people said, yes. All right, here, I, I joined CrossFit two weeks ago. I know you can tell. Um, and uh, and I, am, I, I just want to tell you, you can survive that. Barely. Uh, my son joined it with me, and he's 13 or 14, and uh, he is kicking my tail. So many of us get, and the thing about gaining weight, the thing about eating, um, in, in the holidays, it's like you have to eat more. Uh, people, people, and I love you guys for bringing food here to River Hills, but it's like uh, somebody came the other day and says, I got these extra cookies. Do you want to take them to your office? And I was like, no, but thank you. And, and ta- I mean, and everybody's like that, right? Uh, let's just bake something, and, and, for, you know, and I think that's a good thing because we all like to eat. Second thing is getting into debt slash money. Anybody? Everybody says, I mean, my goodness, my goodness. And you should only get into debt for your pastor. Next one is this, gift shopping as a whole, whether you're going to buy the appropriate gift or not. Are you all with me on that? Some of you are great gift givers. Some of you are not great gift givers. I always, I'm a terrible gift giver. I bought my wife something. Um, She, she, don't tell her, she turned 40 two weeks ago. And, um. Uh, she's not here this morning, so I can say that. Uh, and so I bought her a nice gift, and I said, and I ordered it because I knew it was going to be wrong. But I was like, here's the hope, and I got to at least put some effort into this gift. So I showed her the picture. And look what I ordered from you. It'll be here in two days with Amazon Prime. Isn't that great? And she looked at me and said, that's wonderful, honey. Wrong one. 
And he's like, good, cancel, done. And so now I said, now you're on your own. Get your own gift. And so all of us get a little stressed out with the gift. A couple others. I got a, I got a bunch here this morning. This is our last service. Traveling. I hate it. I travel. Amen. Good. Good to have it. And the thing is, you ever travel with small children? It's like you have to pack your house up and then strap them to the top. There's no room. Next one is this. Everybody just get ready to say yes. Seeing certain relatives. Woo! We got some crazy uncles in this room. Maybe you're the crazy uncle. There's one in the back. Santa, thank you. All right, here's the next one. Seasonal music. That stresses me out because sometimes I just want to hear a country song. All right? I want to hear about somebody leaving their spouse and running over their dog. All right, that's all I want to hear. I could care less about Donner and Blitzen. Here we go. Next one. Uh, Disappointing gifts. Receiving a disappointing gift or giving a disappointing gift. That kind of goes in the next one. Here's the next one. Having to attend holiday parties or events. Anybody? You got that awkward Christmas party you got to go to for work? And it's like, hey, Merry, oh, sorry, happy holidays because we're politically correct here. Or whatever it may be, uh, our staff Christmas party here at River Hills is in July. I kid you not. And it's great. Uh, next one is this. Having to be nice to people. <laughs> Some of you struggle with that all year. Uh, you in the back for one. All right. The last one. Here we go. I don't know why this is on the list, but holiday tipping. Holiday tipping. I don't know if that stresses you out or not. Uh, I always give a, about a $200 tip uh, at Waffle House uh, for the holidays, but I do it in increments. I start in January, and I go all year. And at the very ones, I just want to let you know, I blessed you all year long. You know, I try to get the same waitress. It doesn't always work. The reality is, guys, the reality is, hey, we get stressed over the holidays, right? But I don't really think that's God's plan. Would you all agree? I mean, we've taken a season that's supposed to be remindful about what Christ has done, who he is, the gift that God has given us. And we make it very stressful. But the reality, even more so, is that life is just stressful. Would you all agree? Everything about it. Schedules expectations, being accepted, not being accepted, the financial progress or lack of progress, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with what's on the radio, watch, whatever it may be for you, but I am willing to bet there is something in life that just stresses you out to no end, right? But I want you to understand something, and this is the gift that Christ offers in the Nativity experience. Last week we talked about the gift of promise. This week it's the gift of rest. God has come, and this is our big idea this morning, to give us a gift of rest, meaning to take our stress and change it into rest. That that is one of the blessings of knowing Jesus. Now, whether we choose to apply that or not is up to you. But one of the greatest gifts, the thing that we can truly celebrate this Christmas is the fact that he takes our stress and gives us rest. Luke chapter 1, I want you to notice this passage here. In, uh, in Luke chapter 1, uh, the, the angel comes to the Virgin Mary to tell her she's about to have a baby. And w- I want you to read it a little differently this morning, okay? The way I want you to read it is I want you to read it from the perspective of how Mary must have felt. And what I mean by that, of how stressed out it must have been for her. Because not only is she betrothed or engaged to a man, she could lose her life for being pregnant. I mean, it's all kind of layers here involved in what Mary's happening. But, but, but the initial conversation that Mary ha- has with the angel 
would stress me out or really maybe freak me out to no end. Notice what happens here. Read it with me. Verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Okay. All the background is there. God has set this thing up. Last week we talked about the gift of promise. God promises in the Old Testament that he's going to provide a savior to the world who's going to have the lineage of King David. And here we find Joseph in that descendant lineage. You see that? It's beautiful how things begin to work out. In Isaiah, he promises that the baby will be born by a virgin. All these things are happening here. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, get this next verse. Verse 28, 29. Mary was greatly what? All right, let's say that really loud because I'll make sure you're awake. Mary was greatly what? Troubled. Let's just redneck that up. She was freaked out, y'all. And wouldn't you? God just came to you and said, greetings, oh highly favored one. And it just stressed her out for the moment. The stress gets worse. Get this. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Now, at that moment, she's like, you're not here to kill me. But the, maybe she wishes she was dead. Next verse. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Think through this. Mary, you're going to have a baby. You're going to remain a virgin. And by the way, you're going to be raising God. I would be stressed out. Who cares if the turkey burns or if the cake falls or if you get, if you get the wrong, if you drop your coffee in the middle of service like he did. All that being said, you've got to raise God. Stress is real. But you need to understand something as we dealt with in these last few verses there. He will be the king. He has come to take the stress and change it into rest. But how does that happen? Let's go to Hebrews 8. Notice what happens. We've been journeying through Hebrews since Easter. Notice what happens here. Hebrews 8 verse 1. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. Now stop here. When you ever come to a text in Scripture where it says, now the main point is, pay attention. Y'all with me on that? So he says, now the main point of what we're saying is this. Get this here. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by mere human hands. Now remember, the people he's writing to are Christians who were formerly Jewish. The Roman Empire are persecuting and killing Christians, and their Jewish brethren have disowned them completely. They are suffering. And he continues to write to them through the previous seven chapters, Jesus is better, continue to follow him. And what he reminds them of in chapter 8, verse 1 is this. We have a great high priest. We have Jesus who has paid the price for us, giving his life as an offering so that you and I, no matter what happens, go to heaven. Isn't that good? Now, Here's how we're going to transition this a little bit here, and this is what I want you to understand, because in these first two verses, it's paramount you get this in order to gather in the rest and apply it to your life. You need to understand that Christ gives us rest by saving us. Now, you've got to understand 
that everything else in life, we're trying to pursue joy, we're trying to pursue expectations, we're trying to earn our way to heaven, they're not going to work. Go back to verse 1. Get this. Notice what, he, notice what he writes here. This is so good. This is so rich. Get this. Now, the main point we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest. We have Jesus who paid the price for our sins, rose from the dead, conquered sin and death, so if you ask him to come into your life, you're forgiven of your sins, and you get to follow him to heaven one day. If you've never done that, you're never going to have rest. You've got to know Jesus. But get this. Now, this, these next three words are important. Now, the main point of what we're saying is we do have such a high priest who sat down. That is huge. And what does that mean? It means it's finished. It's done. The work is over. He has paid the price for everything you do, will do, and are currently doing. He takes your stress of trying to earn your way to heaven and gives you rest by paying the price, by taking away the punishment. When Christ was dying on the cross in John chapter 19, verse 30, and we'll throw this up on the screen, I want you to notice when he received the drink, Jesus said these famous words, it is what, church? Finished. You've got to understand something. When Christ sits down, he's done. But even more than that, get what happens in the next verse here, verse 2 of chapter 8. Get this. And he and who serves and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by mere human hands. Meaning this, Christ, Christ continues to save. Now, you've got to understand the two things. Christ has saved you if you know Jesus, but he continues to serve, continues to minister to you no matter what. This is the beauty of your salvation if you know Christ. You are saved from your sin and get to go to heaven, and as you progress through life and deal with stresses, you're being saved. He continues to minister. Christ doesn't save you and leave you alone. He continues to bless and give you rest. You follow me on that? This is huge for us. Because you've got to understand that the gospel isn't just a one-time thing. The gospel is forever, and it continues forever, and it maintains you forever. And the blessing of taking stress and turning it into rest is that Christ says, I'm going to pay the price, and I'm going to continue to guide you. Isn't that good? So as we approach Christmas, and we're dealing with chaos, he changes our stress to rest by saving us and maintaining us. But what does this look like specifically? How do we dig deeper? How do we move forward? And how do we begin to apply this really in a, in a more practical, a more intense way? Now, I'm going to read through verse 3 through 8. And I'm going to go really fast. I'm going to give you a little bit of explanation. And then we're going to start into verse 9, 10, 11, and 12 and give us our application. Notice what happens here. Read with me. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Basically saying, in the Old Testament, People were chosen to be high priests, and their job was to offer a sacrifice so that people could be forgiven. They had to do it every year, and they had to do it all the time. Jesus did it once because he was perfect, and he had the ability to make one offering, and that's a permanent thing for us. You follow me so far? So the offerings that the high priest in the Old Testament gave weren't enough. We needed something more. We needed Jesus. Keep reading. And so it was necessary for this one, meaning Jesus, also have something to offer, which was his what? His life. Verse Verse 4, if, if, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy in the shadow of what is in heaven. 
This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. Basically what happened is Moses received the law, received the instruction. They said build these tabernacles. This is where you can go worship. This is where you offer your sacrifices. But it's not enough. You're going to need more. The covenant or the agreement or the promise I'm giving to you, if you do these things, you will make it to heaven. And so basically, let's just boil it down to this. And there's more to it, but let's just boil it down to this make it simple. We have our Ten Commandments, right? Everybody say yes. And we've got an idea of what those are, right? Let's just pick one. Thou shalt not lie. Now, basically, if you can obey these commandments, you make it to heaven. But 100% of us in this room has lied, right? If you say I have not, you just lied. But here, So here's the problem. We need something more to cover our sin and give us rest. So he sends us Jesus. Now, let's go to verse 6. But in fact, the ministry of Jesus has received, uh, the minist- in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is a superior to theirs as the covenant for which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. What he means is this. Christ gives us a better promise. He gives us a second start, a new covenant, a new agreement that if we ask Christ to come into our lives, it's not about what he does. I mean, it's not about what we do, it's about what he does. We go to heaven. Good news, right? That's why we're celebrating Christmas, folks. Because in this manger, we have the gift of rest, of not having to work anymore. We have Christ. Now, verse 7. I'm going to say that was an amen right there. Wouldn't you all agree? (laughs) There's a phrase in Scripture, out of the mouths of babes. Here we go. Verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, and then he begins to quote Jeremiah, a passage in the Old Testament. And what we're going to do is pull from this four different changes he makes to give us rest. Let's keep going. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to the covenant, and neither did you and I. From the moment we're born, we're just dirty little sinners, okay? Now let's keep reading. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant, meaning Jesus, I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. And notice what happens here. Here's our first principle. This is the first change that he gets so that we can have rest. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. The first thing Christ does, and this is what he begins to offer and extend to you through his experience in the nativity all the way to the cross, to give us rest, he changes our hearts. He changes our hearts, meaning our intentions in life completely change. He gives us a heart that is righteous rather than a heart that is wicked. If you don't know Christ, there is wickedness just pouring through your veins. All of us are born that way. The change happens when we ask Christ to come into our life. And he gives us a heart for him, of him, by him. You with me on this? So important that we get this because the change, and and, and if you're a believer, relate with me on this. When we're not following Christ with a changed heart, Would you agree that there's chaos? Yeah. Nod your head, yes. I mean, yes. And when when we're even in the Christmas Christmas context, when we're not following Christ and and we're allowing the other things to distract, would you agree that there's no rest? I would say yes. I mean, it's just true. 
because he's changed your heart. And when we're following a heart that models after Christ, we find rest. Second thing is this. He changes our eternity. Go down to verse 12. Notice this. He says this. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. That is good, 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 good. And what that means is he places us, takes us from a position of being separated from God to a position of being in one with God. We are his children now. You know, it is a different, and really in the holiday season, we have to fight sometimes to be thankful. Have y'all been there before? I mean, whether it's because there's an empty place at the dinner table this year or whether it's just memories or maybe it's disappointment. Um, and, even, and just really in life, sometimes we have to fight to be thankful. But listen to me, if you're a Christian, and I'll just come in close on this. Just kind of look at me on this. This is a big deal. If you know Jesus, you can wake up every morning. And I don't mean to be hellfire and brimstone here, but this is just truth. You can wake up every morning and say, thank God I don't go to hell. You with me on that? I am so thankful that God in his benevolence and compassion chose to give me the gospel. I can go to heaven. And all my jacked upness, and all of my issues, and all of my faults, and all of my weary expectations, and all of the things that I do wrong, the Lord, like with Mary, has put favor on me and said, you're mine, and I go to heaven. He will remember your sins no more. And many of us in this room, including your pastor, has got dump truck loads full of sin. Are y'all with me on this? Things that I'm ashamed of, things you'll never know. But praise God, I go to heaven. He changes your eternity. If you can't get rest in the fact that you are heaven bound, you can't get rest. Now, he changes our hearts. He changes our eternity. He also changes our ownership. Go to verse 10 again. Notice what happens here. He says, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. You are God's child when you know Jesus. You are a child of the king. Your ownership changes. The reality, though, is that many of us struggle in that area of ownership, whether it be I'm owned by my money, I'm owned by getting to a family dinner on time, or I'm owned by a person. What Christ does is I'm rescuing you from that, and your ownership is now me. I own you, and I have set you free. You're no longer a slave. Here's the question I want to ask you at this point. What is owning you today? You with me on that? Now, I know many of you in here know Jesus. But there are things we go back to and we allow that to own us at times, right? What's owning you today? I want you to understand Isaiah. And we'll try to throw that up on the screen here. Jesus makes this, Isaiah makes this profound statement in chapter 53, verse 4. He says, surely, talking about Christ, and this is thousands of years before his birth, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But notice verse 5. But he was pierced for our what? Transgressions. He was crushed for our what? Iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on whom? Jesus. And by his wounds, we are what? Man, that is something you need to cling to, that I need to cling to. And that means this, is that you aren't owned by anything other than Jesus unless you know, if you know Jesus. It's what you allow yourself to be owned by. By his wounds, you have been healed. He has rescued you. What owns you today? What owns you today? 
He can give you rest. He is offering you what rest by exchanging ownership. But there's a fourth thing. He also changes your purpose. He changes your purpose. Instead of being about you, it becomes about Him. When you glorify Him, when you live for Him, there's an amazing amount of satisfaction there. Your purpose changes from trying to earn it to just being it. There's a difference there, right? Instead of earning it, you just get to be and pursue Him. And part of that purpose is woven into the fabric of every Christian and every believer that there is a desire because it's an imperative in Scripture and because He's written it on your heart to make sure that other people know this incredible gospel. And I want to give you a challenge, and I think Seth did a fantastic job as he gave the announcements and welcome this morning, is to take the card on your seat and invite someone to Christmas Eve. Drag them with you. Because there are people, your neighbors, your family members, your friends, your co-workers, who don't have that rest because their eternity is not heavenward, and they need Christ. They need you to say something. Y'all with me on this? Bring them, drag them. Sing it in your home. Tell it to your children. Your purpose is changed. But then that leads us to this question. How do I experience that right now? Because Chip, you have no idea how crazy my Christmas is. It could be a marriage. It could be a kid. It could be it could be where you're going to get pictures after church today. I don't know. Here's the way. You got this? Come in. This is going to be really complicated. You choose it. It's that simple. I'm going to choose this instead of this. I'm going to choose Christ instead of this. Now, to make it a little bit more practical for you, because when we talk about all these things that stress us out, whether it be finances, whether it be people, whether it be traveling, whether it be anything, there are some really, really practical things that we can do. Because I really believe that during this Christmas experience, Christ wants you to experience rest. And this is not just on December 25th. This is all year long. But to be really practical this morning, I want to give you some action steps. Are you all with me? So jot these down. They're not really connected to Scripture, which is not like me, but they're very practical so that you can go in and experience that change of heart, experience that change of eternity, that change of ownership, and that change of purpose. So follow with me real quick. The first thing I want to encourage you to do this Christmas is set boundaries with people. This is a big one, right? Because people stress us out. We're demanded and commanded to go to every Christmas gathering between Thanksgiving and January 15th, right? But if that is a stress to the point to where you can't experience Christ, setting boundaries with people is important. So what boundaries need to be set? Second thing is set limits on spending. This is big, and I want to just give you permission for a second. Your kid doesn't need that. Can I just say that to you? kid doesn't need that. We are constantly in Barrow County. Right around, guys. We're building storage buildings everywhere. What does that mean? We got too much junk, all right? I can't tell you the thing. I mean, I, I, I was at Goodwill a couple weeks ago getting rid of some of my junk. And it was like, oh, I bought this for Christmas to such and such a couple. Oh, I bought this for Christmas. Y'all you know, with me on this, right? They don't need it. They'll be disappointed and they will live. Put limits on your spending. Put limits on your spending. Last thing is this. Set direction toward Christ. And this is what you're going to have to make a decision on. 
So as you drive home and you talk to your spouse, as you go home, as you talk to those you love, as you think about it in your own mind, as you determine this, how are you going to set a direction towards Christ this week? How are you going to set a direction towards Christ this Christmas? What do you need to do? You follow me on this? Maybe it's a new tradition you need to set. Read the Christmas story before you open up Christmas presents. Whatever it may be. But set a direction as Christ. Not stuff. Not things. Not events. Not parties. Not traveling. Not visa cards. Not anything else other than Jesus. And then make that a habit every day for the next 365. Y'all with me on that? Set your direction towards Christ. God has come and given us this incredible gift, experienced in the nativity and brought all the way to the cross so that you and I can take this stress and exchange it for rest. Are you willing to find rest? Do you want that? Do you want the rest? Everybody should say yes, at least in your own mind. And you've got to choose it, folks. You've got to live it. You've got to set your direction toward it. Take the stress. Let Christ change it into rest. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, Everybody's heard of Billy Graham, right? He's like, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Billy, right? Everybody, everybody's heard of Billy Graham. And uh, he turned 99 years old this year. Can you believe that? It's crazy. And uh, his wife, Ruth, many times when you see these big-name pastors and, and, and really even in my own life, the most important person and the most godly person in that pastor's life and in that minister's life is their wife. That's true in mine. And... Um, uh, Billy, uh, his wife Ruth, godly, godly woman, has gone on to be with the Lord. And if you go to her grave, on her gravestone, and I love this, and I want to make sure I read this verbatim. She wanted this on her gravestone, and she put it there, and you can see it today. It says, end of your construction, end of construction, thank you for your patience. Isn't that good? You're under construction, folks. So am I. But the question we have to ask ourselves, is there progress being made in that construction? Or is it just the same thing as it was 10 years ago? Make progress. Yes, there are always going to be opportunities for you to set direction. There's always going to be opportunities for you to find change in your heart, change in your ownership, change in your eternity, and change in your purpose. But allow God to do those works in your life so that you can experience more of him. Some of you this morning have never asked Christ to come into your life. You don't know that peace. And going way back to chapter uh, 8, verses 1 through 3, you've got to realize it, it is finished. Christ has sat down. You have opportunity here to know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, I want you to take the connect card you were given and check the box that says, today I want to know Christ. Maybe you haven't been baptized. That's on that box as well. You can also text the number respond uh, or text the word respond to the number on the screen to take that active step. But do that. But for those of you who do know Christ, how are you going to set your direction towards Jesus this Christmas? If your spouse is with you, if you are married, you need to have that discussion today. Y'all with me on that? If you're, if you're not married, you need to have that thought process and maybe sit down with coffee with a friend and say, how can I do this? Because let's set a direction that's Christless. Y'all with me on that? So that we experience more and more of him and experience what he meant so many years ago. Take that step. Take that step in the journey. Take that step to live out your purpose and invite someone. Take that step to find peace and to find rest. Allow him to take your stress turn into rest. Let's pray. Father, you are bigger than this. You're bigger than this church. You're bigger than anything going on in this community and this world because you hold it all together. And I pray that you would take the challenges of Scripture and allow us to experience those this morning. Allow us to experience 
what it means to really follow you and live for you. And Lord, I pray that in these moments that you begin to work in our hearts, those, there are those here that need to respond, and I pray they take the card and check it or dial in the number. Whatever you lead them to do this morning, God, I pray they take those steps. I pray that they take the action step for others of us to invite, to love on, to give life to, to give encouragement to. But God, for all of us in this room, I pray that we would take a step of setting a direction toward Christ and that we would experience this gift of rest. Jesus, we love you so much and thank you for the love that you give us. In Christ's name we pray.